Well, good evening, and as you know, we've been going through the book of Job, and this evening we're up to chapter 42, and I'm just going to read to you verse uh, 1 through to verse 6 of chapter 42. And then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, Who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you. And you also answered me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we thank you for the time that we've spent in this book of Job, and we just thank you for the things you've shown us, and we pray that we might take them to heart and use them to our benefit and your glory. And our oh, Father, for this evening, we just ask that you would help us to understand what we've already seen, that you might help us to call to mind the things that we have read and the things that we have talked about. And our Father, for this evening, we just ask that you will guide us as we seek your face. And we do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I, I think it will be a good thing this evening to take a look at some things that will remind us of what we have seen in the book of Job. We know that the book starts in chapters 1 and 2, and there we have records of the events that happened in heaven. Events that neither Job nor his friends will ever be aware of. They know that Job is suffering, but they will never know why. Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar came to visit Job in his distress. And we read in verse 12 through to 13 of chapter 2, When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Now, this was a good start. You see, what they were doing, they identified with their friend Job when they saw the distressful state that he was in. Then we read on in verse 13, Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him, because they saw how great his suffering was. So here, by their actions, they are expressing their sympathy for their friend Job. Then we read that Job spoke, and at the end of chapter 3, in verse 26, Job said, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. These words are a cry for help. Job has no peace, he has no quietness, he has no rest, he has no he has only turmoil, and he tells his friends this. And in chapter four, Eliphaz is the first friend to speak. And this is what he said in verse two. If someone ventures a word with you, will you be patient? But who can keep me from speaking? You see, to ask Job to be patient so that Eliphaz can have his say. This sounds like it's more to do with Eliphaz being concerned about himself 
rather than having compassion, the compassion that he should have shown to Job. And between chapters 4 and 25, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar and Job converse together. And we know that during that time, things went from bad to worse and the friendship fell apart. Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, they'd made wrong assumptions about Job's condition and together they decided that Job was being punished for unconfessed sin and that his only escape was to confess to God. And they took a step further by accusing Job of being a thief, a robber and a hypocrite. You see, their theology would not let them accept the fact that God would ever allow the righteous to suffer. Now we need to think about this. This is an important point in the book and this is an a theology that would never make room for the most righteous one of all, another one who would be called to suffer, that is, God's own Son, Jesus. We also have seen that Job in his distress and suffering has questioned God. He's questioned God's justice. He's questioned God's reasoning. He's questioned whether God is in control. And this is as he's searched for answers, answers as to why he should be the one to suffer. He feels it's totally unfair and it's not right. But he didn't know that he was suffering because in God's assessment of him, and this is what God said, there is no one on earth like him. He was blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. This is why Job is suffering. Because he's the one who can do this. He's the one who will stand this, what is a test from Satan. Job wasn't perfect. He said that himself. <clears throat> but he thought a lot of wrong things about God as he searched for answers. But he never gave up on God. His faith remained. And he didn't curse God as Satan said that he would. Now when we come to chapters 26 and 27, as we looked at them together, this is Job as he replies for the final time to Eliphaz, Bildad and Sophar. And then in chapter 8, we see that uh, this is what is known as the wisdom chapter. It's a, a little bit set in here for us to take on board. Because this is about the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. And when we come to chapter 9 through to chapter 31, Job finishes what he has to say in what is his defensive speech. Chapter 31 ends with these words. The words of Job are ended. Job chapter 32 starts with, So these three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But we know that in their eyes, 
They had convinced themselves that Job was far from being righteous. They saw him as a guilty sinner, a guilty sinner who deserved to suffer, to suffer even more than what he was suffering. And then we have another character introduced, Elihu, a young man. A young man who has more than likely been there all the time. And he steps up to speak. Now, ultimately, he will come to the same conclusion about Job as Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar did, as he too will say things that condemn Job in the same way that the other friends condemned Job, condemned him as a guilty sinner and getting what he deserved. But for this evening, there's a question I want us to consider. And this is the question. Has the Lord in his wisdom led Elihu to say things that would prepare Job for what he, the Lord, was about to say to Job? Let's just think about one or two things as we consider that question. You see, it is the Lord who is allowing Satan to tempt Job. Allowing Satan to tempt Job into cursing him. This, this is true. From the beginning of the book, we know that God is in control. And we know that he has set limits on what he has allowed Satan to do. But Job has been pushed to the limits. He has thought and said many wrong things. But we can see that he's maintained his dignity. His faith has been tested, but it's not been broken. He has remained faithful to God, even when he doesn't understand what's happening to him. And the time came for God to speak to him. Now we've looked at those passages. We've heard what the Lord said to Job. And we know that he was not patting Job on the back. When he spoke to Job, the Lord spoke out of the storm. We read that in 38 verse 1. And again in 40 verse 6 and 8. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? yourself? You know, these words that we've heard, these are powerful words. These are words that would unsettle Job. These are words that would strike fear into the heart of Job. Now, you know, someone who's observing this is Satan. Would Satan be thinking that the victory is his? As he sees the way the Lord is speaking to Job and as he hears the words that the Lord is saying, Satan's probably thinking, will Job hate the things that the Lord is saying? Will this be the straw that will break the camel's back? Will Job retaliate and curse God for being the one who has allowed him to suffer? Here's another question. Did Satan think that he had the victory when Jesus cried out from the cross in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We read that in Matthew 27, verse 46. 
Jesus knew that what was happening was the will of the Father. And it was the Father's will that he must suffer. And here's why. The writer to the Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 2 verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is Satan. Satan lost that battle as Jesus hung on the cross. Why? Because God was in control. Let's go back to Job. What about him? Well, God is in control. And Job is being told in no uncertain terms, whatever Job thinks, God is in control. I think that this verse that we are very familiar with, I'm sure, is a relevant verse, a relevant verse for this situation that Job is in, as it is a relevant verse for us. New Testament verse, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And Job is enduring it. We have heard what the Lord said to Job in chapter 38 to 41. Verse 42, verse 1 to 6, Job will reply to what the Lord has said. But before we look at that, I want us to return to some of the things that Elihu has said to Job. Now, he did say a lot of wrong things. But I want us to return to the original question for this evening. Has the Lord in his wisdom led Elihu to say things that would prepare Job for what he, the Lord, was about to say to Job. So I'm going to go back to chapters 32 and 37. Don't worry, <laughs> we're only going to pick a few things out of this, because as I said, Elio did say a lot of wrong things, but he did say quite a few good things. Elio speaks to Job before the Lord speaks to Job. So Elio speaks in chapter 32 to 37, and the Lord speaks in chapter 38 to 41. So let's remind ourselves of some of the things that Elio said. So Job 32, verse 2 to 5. And I want you just to listen to these words. And also think about what we looked at as we've looked and listened to what the Lord has said to Job. But Elio, son of Barakal and the Bizud of the family of Ram, he became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. Do you get that? He was angry because Job was justifying himself rather than God. Job has questioned God's justice. The Lord will rebuke him because God's justice is something which the Lord has spoken to Job about. Or he will speak to Job about after Job has heard these words of Elihu. And in verse 3, Elio, he was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. 
And that's true. And the Lord was angry with them as well. Let me read on. Now Elio had waited before speaking to Job because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. As I mentioned, the Lord will have something to say about Elihu, Bildad, and Zophar later in chapter 42. So let's go back to what we know about what Elio said. 32 verse 12 to 13. I gave you full attention, but not one of you has proved Job wrong. None of you has answered his argument. Now this is the bit I want you to think about. Elihu went on and said, Do not say we have found wisdom. Let God, not a man, refute him. You see, God is the only one wise enough to refute Job, not them. Chapter 33, 12 to 14, again, the words of Elihu. But I tell you, in this you are not right. He's speaking to Job. For God is greater than any mortal. Why do you complain to him? that he responds to no one's words, for God does speak. Now one way, now another. Though not, though no one perceives it. This is the one thing that the Lord is going to tell Job about. He's going to tell Job about who he, God is. And he's going to let Job know that he does speak, and he will speak in different ways. And when he speaks, no one will fully understand it. So this is one of the things that the Lord is going to tell Job about who he, God, is. Let's just read on a few more little passages from what Elio said. Uh, 34, verse 10 to 15. So listen to me, you men of understanding. And this is the bit. Far be it from God to do evil from the Almighty, for the Almighty to do wrong. He repays everyone for what they have done. He brings to them what their conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Who appointed him over the earth? Who put him in charge of the whole world? If it were his intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to dust. You see, Job has suggested that maybe the Lord has got it wrong, by saying that it's not fair that, that he, Job, is suffering. And maybe when God spoke to Job, Job would recall some of these words that Elio said. Maybe through the words of Elio, God was preparing Job for what he would say to Job. So let's just continue a few more for this evening. Chapter 34, 17, uh, verse 17 through to 30. Can someone who hates justice govern? Will you condemn the just and mighty one? Job has questioned God's justice. This is a challenge to Job, and Elio gives him a good description of who God is that will remind Job that he is mistaken on the assessment that he has made about the Lord. Elio went on, Is he not the one who says to kings, You are worthless, and to nobles you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes, and does not favour the rich over the poor, for they are all 
the work of his hand. You see, the Lord is just, and Job needs to know this, and God will tell him this. Then Eliu went on, they die in an instant, in the middle of the night, the people are shaken, and they pass away, the mighty are removed without human hand, his eyes are on the ways of the mortals, he sees their every step, there is no deep shadow, no utter darkness, where evildoers can hide, God has no need to examine men further, that they should come before him for judgment. You see, Elio is reminding Job before, this is before God speaks to Job. Elio, in what he says, is reminding Job that the Lord knows all things and he's able to administer justice. And Elio went on in what he said, without equity he, sh he shatters the mighty and sets up others in their place because he takes note of their deeds. He overthrows them in the right and they are crushed. You see, the Lord sees all things and he's able to administer justice. Elio went on and said, he punishes them for their wickedness where everyone can see them because they turned from following him and had no regard for any of his ways. They caused the cry of the poor to come before him so that he heard the cry of the needy. And this is the bit that Elio said, but if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he is over individual and a nation alike, to keep the godless from ruling, from laying snares for the people. You see, he's none other than God Almighty, and no one can question his actions, not you, Job, not anyone. Let's just look at a few more little bits from this. A little bit from chapter 34, and it's verse 34 through to 37. And again, this is Elio speaking. And in what he's saying, I'm sure was reminding Job of who God really is, reminding Job of the things that he said wrong about God. And, and God is going to speak to Job. And all these things will come up in what God has to say to Job. But again, this is what Elio said to Job. Men of understanding declare wise men who hear me say to me. Job speaks without knowledge, his words lack insight. This is how the Lord will describe Job. And then Elio went on. Oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost for answering like a wicked man. To his sin, he adds rebellion. Scornfully, he claps his hands among us and multiplies his words against God. You see, these things that Elio has been saying are the right things. When Elio has spoken about God, he has spoken about God rightly. And God is going to speak to Job and he's going to tell Job exactly who he, God, is. And Elio is right when he says that Job will be called to repent to repent for some of the things that he said about the Lord during his time of suffering. So, we're just reminding ourselves here of what Job has heard. Job has heard all that Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar have said. And he's listened to Elihu. And in chapters 38 to 41, Job has listened to the Lord. They are the chapters that we looked at over the past couple of weeks. 
But I want us to, I wanted us just to remind ourselves of all that we've seen in a very, this very short time in the book of Job. And now, Job is about to answer the Lord. That's the passage that we read and the passage that we were looking at this evening or that we will consider. But this evening, I wanted us to realize that everything that has been said by Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, and the Lord will have influence on the answer that Job has given. So, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar, Job, and Eliu have all spoken, and everything that's been said will influence the answer that Job will give. And we're going to look at that answer next week. But there's a few things for us to think about. Has the Lord told Job why he is suffering? The answer is no. Has the Lord praised Job for his perseverance? The answer is no. Has the Lord told Job that he would bless him? The answer, no. Has the Lord told Job that he's pleased with him? And the answer is, no. Is Job still suffering? And does he continue to suffer all the time that God has been speaking to him? And the answer is, yes. Does Job know for certain that it's the Lord who has allowed him to suffer? And the answer is yes. So, there's our question for next week. Will Job continue to defend his innocence and curse God for allowing him to be in the state that he is in? Bearing in mind that up to now, the Lord has done nothing to ease his pain. We'll find out next week. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that as we come to the end of this book of Job and as we start to consider the final uh, words, we ask that you will just help us to call to mind all that we've already seen and that we might see the relevance of the full picture of everything that is going on here so that we might understand more about Job's suffering but also that we might understand more about of who you are. And our Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.